Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. How to Grow Your Brain Capacity and Ability We tend to think of our brain as a static tool that we just use for our life, not as a muscle that we can grow and increase the capacity and ability of. We're talking about increasing the power of our brains. It's something we can all do. This is my Functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the physical and mental capacity to help ourselves and others. So we walk through and address behavioral problems like ADHD, cognitive decline, such as dementia and Alzheimer's, even traumatic brain injury. The first part of the show is relevant for all of us. And then we get into those specific pathologies, pathologies that are primarily treated symptomatically in Western medicine with the perception that wherever the brain is, is where it's going to remain and decline from that point. And the best we can do is use pharmaceuticals to try and slow things down maybe, or mask them a little. Well, Here we have far better news and testimonials to the true possibilities. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, it'd be great if you would leave a rating and review. Let people know what you think about the show. Thanks for all that do that. That's why the show continues to grow. Best thing you can do, talk about what you heard here with someone else. Share the information. Help them, in this case, with their brain capacity and ability. You can always find and connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, I'm with my co-host, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, and we fill you in on how you can actually grow your brain capacity and ability. All right, so here, even before the show, you know, we're sitting here and I'm asking questions and trying to shut up. So we just do the show (laughs) because I I do. I mean, when you look at, so I did a, I did a show recently with Dr. Caroline leaf and I said, and this is where this, we can start here. I said, okay, so talking about brain growth, growth, uh, is that fair to say, I use the analogy of a warehouse. Let's say that my Kevin Miller's head, my head is a warehouse. It's 10,000 square feet and it's got six inch walls and I can read and learn and whatever and fill it 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 it with more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. So I'm thinking of, you know, just filling the shelves, filling the shelves, filling the shelves. But is, is it fair to say brain growth is saying, okay, what if I want though, instead of just filling it with knowledge, I actually want the capacity to increase. I want to be able to have, I want 10,000 square feet to be 15,000 square feet and I want thicker walls. Uh, I want, uh, okay. Know, okay. Uh, uh, foot, foot, you know, like my house, strawberry walls is what? that brain growth as opposed to just filling it with knowledge. Great, great question. Po- so ability capacity. Okay. I think I see where you're going. And if we use that analogy, probably a better way to say it is Kevin, you do have a brain that has a capacity of <clears throat> 10,000 square feet literally almost infinite capacity to store and retrieve. Well, is that the age old thing of 
we're all using 10% of our That's brains. Right. And if I would yes. just have a seizure in the right spot, I could access well, that movie? and make things levitate. Uh, phenomenon. Phenomenon. Yeah, phenomenon. Yeah. That's with uh, John Travolta. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen that really interesting, <laughs> he has a, uh, well, I'll uh, give away the movie. It's yeah, interesting. It's, he, it's, something happens. He can harness he can more of his use brain, all of his brain, yeah. learn Portuguese in five minutes and all that. Yeah, I want that. Well, sure. All of us would want that. But the reality is that that's why it's a movie. It, it doesn't happen that way. Um, and, and it's not so much that you only use one little dark corner of your 10,000 foot auditorium that it's all dark and, and cobwebby deep in the deep, dark recesses there. But maybe that that's a better analogy than you actually going from 10,000 to 20,000 square feet. You don't need to do that. That is not brain growth. Okay. Okay. So brain growth, I think is better <clears throat> thought of that. You have this 10,000 square foot thing. And you have, because if I asked you, what's the German, what is, what does zeitgeist mean? Or what's the German word for that? You don't, you don't care. I don't care. It's just knowledge. It's you, just, you don't need And that, that. that is what I'm asking because I, I'm, I'm pushing against or, or poking is knowledge. Cause I feel like I can fill and fill and fill and fill no. with knowledge and I'm not. It's facility with knowledge. It's, it's. And that's where the brain and I'm smiling because it's such a cool thing. Yes, you have little packets of knowledge in there, but how do you access them fluidly going from and apply them? So there's wisdom, right? How does, because uh, you can be super duper smart and just not having common sense. And how do you apply the knowledge? And in fact, a whole lot of your 10,000 square foot is spent not remembering things. Like you're looking at me, and if I ask you what color is are the leaves on the tree out your window, you might not even green. They're purple. They're purple. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a good case in point that <laughs> now they tree. used to be they used to be green. Yeah, so maybe well. a trick question. Um, but you don't need to know that now. If you're a horticulturalist or a something like that, you would know. Well, we recently watched the. You did too. The old Sherlock, right? Uh, yeah, the old um, Benedict, Benedict Bum, Cucumber Batch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, he does that. He's super smart. And in the movie, they're saying, you know, the, the oh, guy he didn't know him. that we about the Earth was round and something about the moon. And well, his buddy was like, how can you possibly not know that? Yeah, or even something he did know last week, and now he doesn't remember. Forgotten. Why do you yeah. not remember? He says, well, I need more room for other stuff, in, <laughs> yeah. in essence. I, I, did, I love that. Uh, okay. There was somebody who was a long time ago, you know, Henry Ford, it wasn't Henry Ford, one of these old historical you know, big names who was accused of being dumb. And he said, because, he said, in essence, I'm paraphrasing really badly, but he said, you're asking me about you know, knowledge and memory, stuff that I can find in a book. Why use up my brain for that? I want to use it for X, Y, Z, which I think about a lot because I'm concerned with critical thinking, creative thinking, uh, intuition, these things. I want my brain. I want, I want the intuition of, of, of Jason Bourne, you know, and, and being aware of my surroundings. I want a question to come up or a problem to come up and a quick solution that you know, the opposite of what we have with brain fog these days where, man, I just can't get my brain, which, you know, that's, that's the far end of that spectrum. I, I need to be able to go down the rabbit hole and think, uh, critically and whatever. So I want my brain working better at better capacity that that description is more about the fluidity of of the the things about the brain that people don't think about so the default mode network is what's the default mode so a lot of what you just said is 
is remember on Jason Bourne on the very first one, he didn't understand why he had memorized all of the car's license plates on the way in. Yeah. He didn't at that point in time really want to know that. He didn't know why he knew that. So you don't even know what color the leaves are. So you don't want Jason's orange brain. <laughs> it's he needed that in his. He had honed that in, right? And it became habit. Yeah, I don't That's, need to do. I don't need to do that going to the restaurant because chances are nobody's there to assassinate me. Probably not. <laughs> but vocabulary, you need to think yeah. of six words that mean trepidation as you're writing down something, but trepidation is not the right word. And I find myself wanting, right now, my, my, my literary, agent, literary agent wants stories. He wants stories of yeah, people that okay. I've you think you need to be had on the show. Call and put those stories into context yeah. quickly. Which if my, I've got brain fog, I look over at my bookshelf and I don't remember. Man, if I'm thinking well, I can pull up stuff. I know, yeah. I know when I'm on uh, on tap on a show like this where, man, I can just pull stuff up. Yeah. And I've had shows like that. Man, any, any thought that comes to mind, and I, I got the reference, I got the whatever. And I've had, the, had other shows where I'm just, can't think of the word, dude. I just Right, uh, the tip of the tongue kind of thing. Yeah. So that tip of the tongue idea, the word is there. You know it. Yeah. But the accessing of it, so it's the fluidity and the quickness of access. And here, so much of the brain action depends upon what you did yesterday and 10,000 yesterdays. So now we're back to that idea of habit. And in a brain, I think it's very <clears throat> apropos to think of a pathway through a forest or a pathway through a field. Yeah. If I, we got a field next door, so the kids cut across to the school and there's a path. And then if you were to walk across there, where do you think you would walk? Most naturally. Path. Just, yeah, path just, least resistance. Just, yeah. Now, if you said, if you're a person that said, huh, I don't want to go to the school. I want to go over there. Well, cut across the field. But now you got brambles in your socks and this and that and the other and whatever. But if you do that enough time, you create another path. Yeah. And the brain has about, you know, a couple of quadrillion of those paths but you don't want to be burdened with the knowledge every day of, okay, how do I drive again? Where's the brake and the gas? Okay, wait a minute. The carburetor does this and that. And like I joke with patients all the time, you don't want to have to get a PhD in chemistry to make breakfast every day. But everybody's confused about, well, then fats, carbs, carbohydrates. Oh, I never heard about this. My mom didn't teach me this when I was making breakfast with her. No, you don't want that it but your brain does what it has been doing so that's good well right? so today i don't have much memory of driving into no, work so you i don't need it i was you don't want that memory. i was taking the effort the brain effort that i didn't have to use for that 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 path to th to i was thinking about, think this, about the show. show and yeah questions that's right so you weren't burdened by the very complex job of driving yeah and you've done that for yeah. 10, that my fifteen-year-old son would have been able to think about That's nothing right. else other than that. Drive. <laughs> and any any overbreaks and underbreaks yeah. and takes the corner too fast. And dad says, "What are you doing?" Yeah. And all of that. And then about when you're you know hopefully maybe you know eighteen or something, you you think much less about those things so that you can think about other things. And that's what you're talking about. And so what. What I think we want to emphasize today is don't take your brain for granted. Like you and I right now are not thinking about balance. Do you, can you think about how much incredible information is going on for us not to fall down, yeah. to speak a language, to look in another's eyes and into it? What are you thinking there? If I have a question mark on my face, or all of that is going on all the time. And we take it for granted. And then yeah. people come in and they say, I'm imbalanced. And I say, have you fallen down? And they're like, well, no, I don't fall down, but... I, you know, the nuance of over my golf ball or something, I'm just a little off. 
Well, for Tiger Woods, that means a couple of million dollars per yeah. swing. And for somebody else, it just means, you know, with the guys. And for somebody else, if they don't golf, they don't even know yet. So, so how do you grow then your brain? You actually create habit. So this touches on okay. like willpower. Like yeah. what you, you, you create your environment so you don't have to think about the snack in your cabinet over there or whatever. A thousand variations on that. You set your car up to like you need to not drive a Ferrari. Because I will go too. You fast. will go too fast. Yeah. So so, get a stay in my suburban that I drove suburban. this morning. It has two hundred twelve thousand miles and zero to sixty and almost never. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It's, yeah. So that default mode network and the facility and now on the, the on the negative side, that pathway that easily gets you from your house to here and you don't have to think about it and it's very efficient. Let's just say it's not a great pathway. Now it's a rut. Mm-hmm. And now it's a think of our pathway across the woods over here. Uh, think of the trenches in World War One. Now it's a ten foot deep trench, and you try to climb out of that to do something there, and you just slip back in. And you're like, oh, it's so hard. I just can't not eat a snack. And not only is it right there, but every other thing about your life slips you back into this habit. And you're trying to get out, but it's so hard. And, and then most people say, ah, God wants me to be this way, or I don't want to think about it today, or whatever. And they just walk to the next lunch thing, and they make the rut deeper and deeper and deeper. And you see the balance there of how do you create an efficient path, but not a rut that you can't get out of. And I kind of think of the brain as full of these grooves, right? Like, I want a groove of kindness. Yeah. I want to be a deeper rut of responding to people in such a way and honestly so you know we think of sermon on the mountain that's what jesus he you know when was the last time you ever quote unquote turn the other cheek and the 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 teaching there is to not grit your teeth and say all right you idiot go ahead and hit me on the other side that that's not the point the point is to be becoming the kind of person who responds to anger in in the right way because sometimes it's war and sometimes you turn the other cheek. So how do you do that? Well, you yesterday I tried to be becoming the kind of person that was going to be kind when I needed to be kind or stern when I needed to be stern or stop at a red light without thinking about it. And here we are today. And, and you're trying to write a book. And the best way to write a book is to have written a book. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I'm going to come back to your, cause you've, you, you know, you talked about that for years, that greasy ruts in our brain, good and bad. And I am increasingly just, um, it, it's so, it's so overwhelming how we are given, you know, we get those in our upbringing where we don't have a choice. For the most part, we come out and we experience what we experience. We had parents who were this way, or we didn't have parents, and we had this upbringing. We were raised in the mountains. We were raised in the slums. We were whatever. That's what we know. And to me, it's brainwashing. I mean, it it is, you know, by definition almost, Uh, it's brainwashing. It's it's creating those ruts. And then we come out and we see different opportunities, different things, different ideas. And we say, man, I want that. Mm -hmm. And to get out, like you Mm -hmm. said, to get out of that 10-foot trench, slippery slopes, and to do another one is is huge. And I think we... I think we minimize. It's not impossible. It's not impossible, but uh, yeah, but, we but do I, minimize. Yeah, I think right. we minimize it. I don't think we give the gravity to it. When you have a patient in here who's been eating the same way, or exercising the same way, or not exercising, or thinking the same way, and you say, "Gosh, we need to get you over here," it's 
it's like moving a house. You're going to, you, you need help. You need movers. You need dollies. You need, you this need is gonna I, be a I call deal. it a crowbar. You need a crowbar to get unstuck, right? This, or a lift out of this trench. Yeah. And Kevin, it's even worse than you think. But on the flip side, a good habit, we could say it's, it's even better than you think. That once you get out of that rut and do a new one, it, it's even better. That's the willpower guy. He's like, man, once you do this, you don't even have to spend any willpower to not eat that. Like, how much willpower do you spend to not go to McDonald's? Not, Zero, right? Not it's not, and, and, and it doesn't take me any willpower to go exercise because that's just, I got a rut there now. How much willpower would it take for you to not have chocolate chips in the afternoon? A lot. A lot. Okay. So, but if you said, I want to not do that, the first thing we would do is what? We'd get rid of Roll them. Roll them out. <laughs> we would throw yeah, them in the trash. Say, okay. Everybody don't buy these things. Yeah. Okay. Your, that concept is going on right now in your liver, in your glucose, in your insulin, in these, these ruts or pathways of, and the insulin glucose is a good one because it's also brain connected, is how your body is functioning. So most people, when we talk about fasting, they're like, oh, I can't. I, I, I hit hour 12 or 24 or whatever, and I get famished. I get hungry. I get a headache. I get this. That's just that's the slippery slope pulling you back into the rut. Let me, let me ask on fasting, which nobody wants to hear about, but uh, I'm looking at that as, as generally a helpful thing. How many people, if you took a cross, and I know that if you take a cross session of the average person, Average, you know, populist, whatever, walking in New York City and mm-hmm. 50 people. How many of them have a literal, we're going to say a deficiency because you would say everybody, we, we should all be able to fast. Like right now, boom, no solid food for three days, just, you know, water. We should all be able to do that. How many people factually can't because they are broken, there are mm-hmm. deficiencies and they really do hit some physiological, not, not psychological because psychological, we're all going to have problems with, but just physiological. Sure. So deficiency. And well, if by that. can't, you mean, are they going to die? They're, they're not going to die, but they will get a headache. It's a true headache. It's a true, um, a true, like a withdrawal. Their heart rate goes, yeah, withdrawal. Right. There is a physiologic thing because if, and and here, so think about this. This is a good analogy for our brains as well. So we grew up in the seventies and eighties, and it was taught low fat, high carb, snack wells almost became like you know cookies became a health food because there's no fat. Right. And so twenty, thirty, forty years of that. So then, and people got taught you know six small meals a day, fat or uh, fuel your body. You don't want your body to consume your muscles. So if you, especially if you're working out, you carb load all that. And what it, it created these trenches so those 50 people walking in down new york city they have never gone three four hours without Mm -hmm. uh, a a, a feeding so they're always in a fed state or a semi-fed state they never get into a fasting state well they're they can't hit those other things and so it's it's just like it's the cast remember the cast on your arm and what happened have you ever had a cast yeah so what happened when you moved your arm in the first five minutes after you took the cast off, it hurt. Yeah, the joint is stiff yeah. and it hurt. Uh-huh. Well, then if you're a smart person, you would say, "Ooh, put the cast on." I am getting signals that this is not good for my body. Mm-hmm. That that's the trench. You've trenched in. This joint does not move. Yeah, and it'll lock up. Frozen shoulder is the most common. So people, their shoulder hurts, so they hold their arm like this, and so the more they hold their arm like that, well, it'll it'll freeze in there, and they have to actually go to surgery under 
anesthesia and you actually break the shoulder. They have to unstick it. It's literally a crowbar kind of thing. Well, imagine that going on in your brain. And so people, it's not so much that you need a 10,000, more 10,000 square foot. You just need to grease up the dark corners. If you want to, we can look at language. So talk about imprinting, right? So language is imprinted on you early, early, early. Yeah. But if you're two or three or four and you get adopted into a Chinese family or whatever, you're most likely going to have no accent. You'll never remember English or whatever. Uh, but if you're about, you know, seven or eight, a foreign language becomes significantly harder, but way easier than if you're 18 and older. Because from about six to 18, now your body, your brain starts to spend energy to prune. Okay. A lot of that happens during adolescence. So, and then if they're drinking drugs and you know doing stuff that that hampers that. So this is why we say in Colorado, you know, and you know, legal marijuana or whatever. But no, it's bad for kids because it hampers this process of neuroplasticity and pruning. Because the fifteen-year-old is the brain is going to its language center is not going to be developed anymore. Basically, I mean, whatever language you have, you can learn some more vocabulary words, yeah. but. So, and I, you know, I went to, to learn the German thing and I wanted to become fluent. It's uh-huh. much harder when you're 20. Your, your pruning thing, that's interesting because I've spent my lifetime enhancing uh, the language side of my brain and I pruned a when long was the time last ago. Time you did calculus. Exactly. Math. <laughs> I, 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 I never liked it. I never, so I spent my life pruning it to where now. I, I mean, I, right. I, so I can do the basics of, and that's it. Sure. But a part of your 10,000 square foot thing is you did learn algebra. It's in there. But for you to access algebra is essentially a relearning. Yeah. Now you're going to get there and you're like, oh, solve for X. I remember that. And you, you'll have some of those memories, but it's not, it's, it's like a frozen shoulder. <laughs> and even, yeah, even more, uh, the times tables that you learned in second grade or something like that. I find myself, well, pull out the calculator. I ask the kids, guys, what's nine times eight? I, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> 72? 72. Ooh, that came back. <laughs> well, you know, so again, when we look at this, so we're looking at ability, creative thinking, critical thinking, there are other things that come to mind for me, but just uh, ability. Again, I like that. I like the thought of, of, of insight and intuition. Okay, okay. And those are the things that I want in my life as I look at not even problems, well, problems. I mean, problem that's solving, sure. problem solving, which, yeah, if, if folks, if you haven't heard me talk about before, uh, this was a Tom Ziegler thing. Uh, there was a study he cited where people were asked about goals versus problem solving. And about 80% of the populace is more prone to, uh, to, to think of problems more than goals. Fine. Either way, here's an objective. See it as a goal, something I want or a problem to solve. I, I'm more problem solving oriented for the most part. Uh, and yeah, I want those skills. So we got that. So I want better ability. Now we've also then got behavioral issues and I'll throw these out, you know, behavioral issues that we want to, we would like to see better. Let's, let's take ADHD as oh, okay. I'll come back there. And then we've got, uh, MCI mild cognitive impairment, which is, it feels like it's at an all time high. I mean, I've never, you know, when I was a kid, you didn't hear about it. Every once in a while, somebody's grandparent was a little dingy or something. And now it's just, it's getting to be normal and it's younger. Yeah. And then, uh, I'll throw in their TBI traumatic brain injury, which that's not something that the majority of people 
experience, but it's just an amazing field that you know well, and I've been privy to the past five or six years where, man, here's people who have literal brain damage from an accident, whatever, and the growth that they can actually experience, which in years, decades past, you thought, I mean, if you have brain damage, that's just where you are. You're going to yeah, be there for yeah. the rest of your life. And now we're saying, no, that's not true. So back to that brain growth. So when we look at that, well, now, before we even started the show, and I shushed us to do it here on the show, I, I was looking at how do we do that brain growth? And I was thinking about, obviously, you know, my wife and people that we know are involved in cognitive training and going through these exercises. You mentioned Sudoku or, you know, whatever, uh, to grow your brain. Are there things that we do to grow our brains different than just bringing in more knowledge? Or is it kind of a, a tension between those? Because, because I, I mean, I can, I, you know, we can bring in knowledge. We got those games. What is it, Jeopardy or whatever, where it's just meaningless information? Tri- trivia pursuits, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. And I think, what's the? Is that person actually smarter, or are they just good at retaining stuff? Is that growing their brain as opposed no. to somebody out here who's, you know? Yeah, is it, I, I think I'm I'm catching where you're going with. Uh, so if we if we back up. Again, in traumatic brain injury and mild cognitive impairment, which is just, you know, early dementia, let's say, or people getting older. And I would ask him, is your memory like it was? And most people say, no, no. And, and there's one of the, and we expect it not we, to be. Yeah. I'm we, now kinda, 50, Well, I'm older. I'm 50. I'm, I can't yeah. do that exercise. I can't think as well. And, and, and then if they say, gosh, I'd really want to use my brain. What, what do I do? Do I do Sudoku or trivial pursuit or how do I do? And so hands down. All of, all of these things and part of what your wife does with Learning RX and the coaching and, and that's a way to do it. And then there's another field of neurofeedback and these guys are using electrical signals to stimulate the brain. Just like you know, for physical therapy on a, on a muscle, like if we, we can attach an electrode in that muscle and make it contract. Yeah. Now, but that's different than you doing a tricep yeah, thing. Can you actually grow it that way? I mean, it's, well, it's contracting, more but is it really stressed? atrophy, yes. Okay. All right. So, so for a paraplegic or somebody yeah. in a coma? Or yeah. Something. Now you, because all of us are walking around with really, well, compared to an atrophic paraplegic, whatever person, our, our tricep is pretty good. Um, I can't, you know, do a hundred pushups or whatever, but so the, the a tens unit or something like that is going to feel weird and, and not, not kind of right. And that's where I think most of us, if our brains are kind of not traumatized, then doing neurofeedback or something like that is, it's not really, it's, it's like you don't, that medicine isn't the right one. So let's just say outside of the field of where somebody already has a diagnosis, ADD, ADHD, you know, traumatic brain injury, MCI, those kind of things. So let's say you and me, but we want our brains to be normal or better. Or I don't uh, want it to, I don't want to, to little by little south. go, gosh, I just don't remember like I used to. I don't want to do that. Right. Okay. So what do you do? Yeah. And, and, and this is where I think it's very encouraging for people and very frustrating because you said it's like, it's attention. No, it doesn't mean to go and, uh, learn a t- Sudoku. It, it doesn't, or trivial, trivial kind of things, unless you want to solve that problem of winning trivial pursuit. Here's hands if down yeah. number one. You know what? You know what it is that grows the brain? No novelty. I was getting so I just wrote down learning, not just bringing in new learning knowledge, but, but actually new. new. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like you, but hold, but hold on. So, so, learn. I want to define that because right. it sounds like learning something. Man, if I go listen to a podcast 
and it tells me about underwater basket weaving in Indonesia. That you don't care about. That I, that, that's the thing. Is did you, I you learn something? So I could come home you, and say, hey, folks, look what I, I'd say. What, listen to what I learned today. I don't think it's the same. It's as, not the same. You didn't care. So it's learning something new that you care about. Okay. Or, or, or that I apply. I mean, again, what's the difference between it's just something I was exposed to and gosh, now I know something I didn't know as opposed to I learned to do something. I have a, an ability the, like an increased yeah, ability. An increased ability. So Not if you and I right now go and we do a brand new mountain bike trail, yeah. a blue, yeah. a moderate, and, and we do it and then we're telling our families about it and I enjoyed it or whatever else, you are much more likely going to be able to say, do you remember that one? I think it was the third or fourth curve. It was about 20 degrees and we yeah. were going about this fast. I'm going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. But if you said, remember the one where we saw the bear? Yes. Yeah. Because your brain is going to be so much more. Now, if we went golfing, I'm going to say, do you remember hole number 12 where it, you know, it dog legged a little bit this way and that you're going to be like, uh, the one with grass on it, you know, or if I said, remember where the eagle flew over? Yeah. So, cause my brain, but I can learn much more detail about a golf course quickly or German quickly than you would be able to do. You would be able to do a mountain biking kind of thing or whatever. So people were already greased up. Our trenches are already made down that pathway. We can go back again to even in, you know, Jesus talking to all of us. It's not, hey, wake up tomorrow and just grit your teeth and be more kind. And we, how many times do we say that to our kids? Yeah. Why can't you just be kind? Well, so for the next 18 years... Be being kind. Learn. Renew your, your mind daily. Re- renew your mind daily. Yeah. Now, if, if your thing is mathematics, and that's where those people go into the literal language of mathematics or theology or, or whatever else. And so it's not that – I think language here again, if – so for, for people who are going old and dementia, what do we tell them to do? We don't tell them to watch a new show. We right. don't tell them Sudoku and crossword puzzles. We say, yeah, that's way down low on the list. What's really big? Travel to someplace new. Now, if somebody hates travel, we've talked about that before. That's not your thing. I love that. And I'm going to remember everything about that trip. And you're going to remember, oh, yeah, we lost our suitcase or whatever. And so travel into someplace new. Learn a new language that you really want to learn. Yeah. Uh, reading Which that's, that's is interesting. Good. The, the uh, what's Duolingo? Man, that, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. My kids have done it. I, I'm not. But I love it. They've it's gamified cool. yeah. it or something, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And and people are learning that. So learning something new. So let's say you. I'm going to take a. So you as a doc. Let's just take doctors. You okay. can be a doctor and a medical doctor in a traditional practice. And my point's not to diss that, which we do that plenty. Uh, but. Day in and day out, you do the same thing. You do the same they're thing. They're applying day knowledge. Day. Yeah, they're applying knowledge, but they're doing it the same. You can spend 20 years not learning anything much more than what you came out. I mean, you know, it's experientially, but over time, man, you're doing the same thing. As opposed to you, and I witnessed this with you, you are consistently getting the next book on neuroplasticity, the next thing that they've learned in this area and this area, and you're increasing it. You care, you're learning it, you're then applying it to the next person. Gosh, it makes me, uh, recently Tom Ziegler was talking about Zig Ziglar, that his focus was he spent three hours a day reading books, not, you know, nonfiction, self-help stuff, reading it so that he could impart it to his audience. Uh And that is learning and applying and that is brain training. So one of the clear 
socioeconomic uh, demographic realities about who is the least likely to get dementia, and it's uh, post-grad professionals that have done postgraduate work is the least likely. Huh. And that's, that's, I don't know what degree he had, but, you know, Ziegler, you know, reading three hours a day. So now you, you kind of described a doctor that I would say is the one who's like, you know, barely hanging on to 55 and I just want to retire. I'm tired of the rat race. I don't want to learn anything new. And there's a whole other set of doctors out there that are like, oh my gosh, I love this stuff. The next new journal article or whatever in their subset of neurology or this, that, the other, there's always something new. Well, you are required for, and there you have to what do is, CME. The, Yeah. 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 So, so they, the, the, the state boards, they require that stuff because you don't want, they don't want it. They want to create, create the environment that leads to doctors that are learning now, but the system, you know, keeps us into this old way of, and that's, that's a different subject. Uh, but if you look at socioeconomic, who are the people least likely? It's ones who use their brains a lot to learn their trade, and then they apply it a lot when they're 40, 50, 60, 70. Hmm. If, if, okay, so let's go into the other thing. So novelty, but also if you are trying to learn a new language or, or read a new book or get a new skill or something like that, but you don't exercise, you're not going to be nearly as successful why? Because exercise, it, we, and we know this, exercise, and it does a lot of things in the brain, but a famous one is it creates more BDNF. So brain-derived neurotropic factor. Neurotropic means brain growth. Hmm. So the, the whole topic of today is neuroplasticity, brain growth, well, brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF. How do you stimulate BDNF? And we're right back to all of our shows. Number one, Exercise, code number one, sleep. Sleep, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, even the foods, we're, we're in a, gratefully, I think, in a new fad, a good one, I hope sticks, of foods, fatty foods that feed your brain, like avocados and whatever. And, not, and less carbs. And, so, less, and yeah. less carbs, less sugar. Yeah, which, yeah, okay, let's, let's hit that. Wait, I, actually, before we, I, I want to ask, um, get into some behavioral issues, but before we do that, I, I'm, something you said a second ago made me think of hobbies. I'm interested in how many people that I have on show. So these are people who are successful to some degree. They're, they're influencing, they have a message, they have audiences, they have people listening to them. They generally have, I want to call them hobbies, outlets somewhere where they're doing that. And I thought, gosh, that's an area where you learn. So one of my primary hobbies is uh, carpentry, I guess is what you'd say. You know, I just built a big tree house for my kids. And I so enjoy, it's such yeah. a different, it's problem solving. How do I get, ex- yeah. oh my, and mine's a hundred percent because I'm looking at a tree. There's no plan. It's hmm, how do I do that? I mean, yeah. I, you know, look up online and how do you, so how do you build a support? And I, I saw that and then I start making up and it's such a fun, I love sitting back and look and I'll think about it. I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and be thinking about it and think about, and I'll have a new thought. And I've, I've been doing that lately. Uh, even with Scrabble, I play Scrabble online mm-hmm. with Caleb and, you know, I'll see a bunch of words. And I'll go, man, I know there's a seven letter word in there and I just can't get it and I'll leave it and I'll come back four hours from then and look at it again. And sometimes I'll go again and then boop, there it is. And it's just to see my brain work and to do that on problems. But coming back to hobbies, I wonder if that's some of the reason that people are drawn to that because it's generally an area. Maybe your work is fairly static. That is the case for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. you could always learn and grow in that, but let's say it is, but you have a hobby over here. It's gardening, it's dancing, it's motor, whatever it is. And you're 
learning new things, doing new things, growing in that growth, just yeah. again, growing in your ability, knowledge you're, and ability. It's, it's the same with muscles. You grow your muscles by using them. You grow your bones yeah. by using them. And think of the negative side of that. One of the great creators of mild cognitive impairment and dementia is, especially in men, they retire. And they, and they don't retire to a, an endeavor. They retire to ease. Yeah, don't we, and the decline is always me. Like, Huge why do people want to retire? If we look at the stats, it's That's terrible. Right. It's terrible. You re, you retire. You now have no purpose. You're learning nothing. You just go and golf or, or whatever. And the decline is just rapid. New patient yesterday. Well-to-do guy. COVID slumped his business, and and he said, "I went to work every day and did nothing. I kept, you know." Because they construction stuff, they couldn't go. They got it all ready. They've they've solved the problem, and now they need to go. And it just it just didn't go. And he said it just hurt, hmm. and it impacted the rest of his life. Um, the the, uh, the well. Go ahead well, back to your... Well, so, so we've been, you know, I feel like we've done a, a good job of covering just basic ability, things that we want to do to learn, you know, if, if let's say there's not a problem. Now, if we transition into problems, and I just kind of laid them out from, you know, acute, let's say some behavioral problems, MCI, mild cognitive impairment, uh, a traumatic brain injury, um, you know, behavioral issues. I mean, you see... The first thought, maybe it's not fair. Right? Well, I guess it's because, you know, my wife and, of course, people we know work with uh, uh, Learning RX, and they deal a lot with kids who have things like ADHD and I don't know what other behavioral, you know, stuff that you got kids on Ritalin and whatever. I mean, what are all the... Yeah, I don't, I don't. We talked about that a little bit. I don't think of that as behavioral issues. But, kid, but like, parents are, are are dealing with the kid in school and behavioral problems. These outbursts, lack of attention, hyperactivity, uh, whatever. I mean, behavioral issues and uh, right. They're an outgrowth of an underlying cause, and that underlying cause could be parenting. You know, the, well, the, the trauma I, of I, parenting I, or too much like food. Yeah, Jadaria and. Goldfish and chocolate milk, and oh, I'm looking, man. Uh, my one in Nakota, and that dude is just fairly high strung. And, and yeah. on the trip that we just had, we did have we had later nights. We had more. Did you see carbs. behavior in him? Yeah, he was just motor mouth. And I thought, man, I can see it how oh, he could get labeled yeah. hyperactive well, and okay. put on a drug if we kept down that road of. That's well, again, right. We had more sugar, more carbs, less sleep, mm-hmm. more. Stimulation, more, yeah, and, more stimulation. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! New we stuff. Get home and and he just regulates back to. Uh, I mean, he's uh-huh. he's a more talkative, outgoing kid. But man, well, I could see that, and those are just yes, environmental that, things. That I think so. If and that's where I, I my heart reaches out to our hearers is to say you, you're seeing these behavioral things in your kids, and sometimes we blame ourselves or. Gosh, what's wrong with my kid? And, and of course, you go to your doctor, and this is where it's the frustration of you get a medicine. So you won't remember this, but when my oldest, who's 14, was four, so we're 10 years later, in, in a space of about four weeks, kind of like Nakota. No, I remember. We yeah. saw clear ADHD, like severe. It developed. He, he got sick, and then he recovered, and then he got a virus, and then... Uh, just in in a short amount of time, we saw a behavioral change. He also kind of had a little what I thought was a tick. He kept touching his face, and he would have to just he just itched his. He would became tomato head. Like if you see people who they exercise and they just get red, um, 
clearly within four to five weeks. And this was at the beginning of my functional medicine learning and all of that. And, and like you were just saying, if I had been a normal parent or whatever, like, my gosh, I've got to get to my kid to the doctor. What's going on? He can't sit still for school. Or at the dinner table, if I did, if I clamped down and said, be still, don't touch your face or anything, he would obtund. He would just almost fall asleep sitting there. Long story short, you know, uh, come to find out that, you know, why did it happen? We don't really know, but there's dramatic food sensitivities and we had to do a lot of work. He had some insufficiencies there. And four months later, there's no sign of ADD or ADHD. And 10 years later there, you know, he's a fine student and all of that. But what would the pathway have been down that brain-related, behavioral, consequential thing that now 30 40% of all of our students are suffering with, some kind of diagnosis, whether it's inflammation of the body like asthma or inflammation of the brain or behavioral issues, and is it related to the fact that kids don't sleep enough these days? Yes. They stimulate with these screens too much? Yes. The sugar, the caffeine? Yes, 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 yes. All of these things. So it, in the brain of all that... Remember how we said we take for granted our balance right here. Your brain is the most complicated sensitive instrument in the universe that we know about. We, it, it, we take it for granted, and then we think we can survive on six hours of sleep, um, we, that, we can have, that we can have disdain for our job and not think that that does something to the pruning of our brain day yeah. in and day out, yeah. or even worse, disdain for a spouse or be in a toxic relationship. And imagine what that does to your brain. You're not growing. You're stunting all of those things and if you don't exercise bdnf is fertilizer it just day in and day out that little extra fertilizer of of growth and there is no magic pill for this you can't learn a language like john travolta did in five minutes it won't happen that way so what do you do you have to make a decision and choose you set up your pathways Day in and day out, and that that is never going to win a political election. Nobody ever yeah. wins on, hey, personal responsibility and slow growth. <laughs> that book won't sell. That book won't sell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, God, oh, gosh. You know, you know, you saying that, I almost feel a responsibility to say, you know, when people, we talk about exercise, and I talk about that, man, it takes no willpower for me to exercise. I got that rut down. That that can sound, if that sounds uh, elitist or arrogant or whatever. I am aware that I, I think I, I hold on to that stuff for dear life. I hold on to my healthy food, getting sleep exercise, because when it comes down to it, there's an undercurrent for me of the overwhelmedness of life. And I think I'm without those things, I would be the deep end in the deep end of depression and despair. I get, man, I get that. And I I think I gravitate towards those things as a lifeline because without them, that's, that's that's goosebumpy right there. Uh, it, not to make light of it. So we were doing a church meeting the other day and about the youth and, and sort of the icebreaker question was, what, what's your favorite food? And kind of in a joking way, but also in all seriousness, I, I said, you know, I'm just on Brussels sprouts. I'm so <laughs> You're the most unpopular grateful. guy ever in the youth group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> youth group, oh. Brussels sprout party. Uh, that was one of our ideas, though. I'd probably said cheesecake. <laughs> 
We're going to do a youth group where uh, the Brussels sprouts are covered in chocolate, and you tell the kids it's chocolate balls. It's sweet. <laughs> and you see how many they can eat. <laughs> Man, if you had a good salty one, it might be, it might be okay. Well, Dark yeah, chocolate. Yeah. Dark chocolate and Brussels sprouts. But no, like you said, I, but I, I don't take that for granted. I'm not any, I remember the days I didn't like the vegetables, and I'm, I'm wrestling with my kids. Just, you know, choose to like it, you know, and now and they don't. I hope for the future for them to actually get to the point where they can decide that. But like you're saying, I these are and our friend Dustin. He said, you know, these habits of my connection to God, my connection to sleep, they're lifelines because he was in the storm yeah. and the deep end was so close. Well, kind of like that reminds me of the, you know, the, the fear of God. We hear that. And if you're from the, you know, grew up in the church, that probably has all kinds of negative baggage. I understand that from an Just, awe. I, I yeah, the fear respect of. I, I fear the lack of God. I fear the uh, lack of yeah. light in my life that I will be overcome by you know darkness. I have the same similar fear of disability. The, the, the lack of exercise. Yeah, equals well, e- yeah, inability. Where, where is that gonna, if I stop now, where is it going to lead to, man? A year from well, now, I'll be that less able. Like we say, it leads to. Glass of sweet tea and a rocking chair on the front porch, and your grandpa on yeah. the couch. Yeah, like we just spent vac- you know, ten days, and we imbibed on everything. Um, everything you imbibe on, we did. And, and and my wife at some point she says, "Man, I'm looking forward to this being over because I've got to stop I'm indulging." Some Brussels sprouts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got to. Get, and, but to go down that road too long, too far is a, a fearful thing. So, you know, so maybe some of the behavioral I don't is is outside a little bit of this brain growth. But I do want to talk about. I mean, traumatic brain injury. We can go into okay. that. That's so few people. But MCI, well, mild. Hang on, it's right. it's not because. Everybody out there has had a head bonk. Yeah. Okay. Now, TBI is basically a grayscale. So, traumatic brain injury. And if you think super severe over it, now it's all the military guys and, you know, loss of consciousness or a coma for five minutes or something like that. Okay. That's the black. Well, we recently had, or recently, since, uh, if, if anybody has seen the movie Concussion with Will Smith. And okay. It's yeah. The, yeah. Uh, depiction the, of Dr. Amayu. Amayu. Uh, I can't remember, but it's on the NFL players. And right, so these guys constant little right, whether they got knocked bit. out or not. If you quote unquote got your bell rung, I saw stars. I, I couldn't remember for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, like, one of our friends just literally last week was skating, fell backwards, uh, and he's. They said I wasn't knocked out, but I have no memory. Well, that's a concussion. That's a, yeah. And and so we say, look, you, if I cut your skin, even if you heal up perfectly, there will be a scar. Yeah. So imagine that on your brain, and that scar on your brain basically means when you go to retrieve that data. There's a speed bump. There's how a, big. So think about it. how many people have had. Uh, and you said not very many people. I'm like, no, everybody. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So everybody has had a grayscale, like, you know, all of our kids bonk their head and they cry, whatever else. And actually kids are set up great for falling. They got heavy heads and they're close to the ground and they're squishy. So they really do bounce way more than we would. And then for us, it's the bike wreck, it's the whatever else, it's those kinds of things. Which, let me just, just, just for an analogy, the thing in there is, you know, like take a woodpecker, which are constant at my home right now. They are built with a head to withstand, boom, 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 uh, an impact. So are the uh, rams, you know, the right. sheep that yep. clash or whatever. We are not. Correct. Our brain is not made for that collision, which now I cringe to see football. Nothing against football. I dig it too. But, oh, my gosh, to see that. the hel- I, mean, I played football, and that was a – you crack helmets, boys. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, was part of the thing. Yeah. And now I'm going, oh, don't do, do you, that. Do you know that soccer's 
as uh, high on the list. I, yes, with the, uh, the the ball, the, the, yeah. the ball, and and when two people are going for a header and they hit heads, oh, yeah. and and so you know we don't allow our. You have to be ten or twelve and under, I think, to in order to head the ball. Oh. Um, but even then, a well kicked ball and you're you're doing that and they always hit the top of their head they never hit it in the right spot and that that is a little bit of brain trauma so that's over here on the left side that's not super severe but how many of those in a unique individual one kid can do 10 and he's fine another kid he does number 11 and it did something Hmm. and is that going to impact his behavior Yes. So I, I do the sometimes the pre-participation high school football sort, and I'm doing this kid, and he's like, yeah, I play football. And, and the mom said, yeah, he got his bell rung last year, and we're, we're not really worried. We're, you know, we're kind of worried a little bit, and his dad was one of the coaches. And his mom said these words. Yeah, he, he didn't smile the rest of the year. Goodness. And I'm, I raised my eyebrow, and I'm like, uh, what do you mean? Kind of joking. And she's like, uh, no. It, well, that's a behavior change, like you're talking about. So... But people love football, the religion of football, the idol. So they literally sacrifice the health of your kid to this. Well, since this idol. that, I don't know if I can attribute it to that movie, but the big brouhaha, they did change the helmets, and I don't yep. know if they did anything more than that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think that for sure the participation stuff and the high school sports. If you get knocked out or whatever, they pull you out a lot better now. So there's lots of change for sure. And even Marcy running the coach, she has to make the coaches go through. You have to do the training so that when your kid gets hit and they say weird things, you pull them out. You don't say, Oh, you're fine. And go back in there and be tough and all that. So it it is better, but we're back to people who, and their forties or fifties. And they, if you had, so I told the guy the other day, I said, uh, from now on and forevermore, you are more likely to get dementia. There it is. Are you more likely? Yes. Well, what do I do? Now we're back to your question. How do I, now that I know I'm going to have this scar in my warehouse that's going to, as I try to go get that information, but it tips me over this way, it's going to take more time to get that information or whatever else. Can we not combine MCI in it? I mean, in there, we're talking about a lack, whatever. Here's a brain. It should look this way. Now, now, yes. So that's, we go back to the brain as a unique individual, whether it's physical trauma or insufficiency of magnesium. And that is a insufficiency trauma over time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just variations of the same kind of brain trauma. And is it fair to say, like you and I talk about so often, you know, if I want to be the 90 year old guy who can do 10 pull-ups I need to be doing 10 pull-ups every day, yep. or, you know, ongoing. Is it fair to say if I treat my, because that 90 year old guy has the, you know, biceps or the shoulder, you know, back and, muscles, and whatever motion to do, to that, do yeah. that. Yeah. If I want to be that 90 year old guy who has a brain with the ability that I have today, possibly even more, again, we've gotten to, to, to the norm is, well, of course you can at 90. Really? I mean, is it not possible? It, I would say, of course, you can. You can, but it's going to take. <laughs> but between now and then, you, if you... So I told the guy, because Mike, uh, he's not really a good exerciser or a good... I'm like, if you, you are a thinker, you are a professional, you, you help clients. If you want to be doing that, if you want to choose to be able to do that, if you want to, when you're 75, 85, 95... Then from now on and forevermore, your lack of exercise, the lack of BDNF is now more traumatic for you because of that brain injury. Okay. All right. 
the requirement of BDNF to be becoming the kind of guy who can do this tomorrow and at 85, the requirement is now higher for BDNF and adequate sleep. And in his case, you know, quit fiddling around with the gluten. We know it's, you, you already said you feel better without it. So stop, choose. But his rut is so hard on this side. It's so hard for people, all of us, not just him, to get out of that rut to say, well, I'm kind of fine, you know. I'm st- people tell me all the fine all the time. You know, I do pretty well. I do pretty. Well. I'm like, okay, if you're satisfied with where you are, and great. Then now we're back to my list that <laughs> yeah. I love of what symptoms are you okay with and what performance level, which we just never think about. We don't. And we're back to your question, which we did a show on. Uh, I don't have the episode in front of me, but is your goal next year to slide into a nursing home right. or be the Olympics? Probably neither. But neither. when do we ever? Your, your trajectory has to be a, tipped a little up, or you're going down. Yeah, there's, there's no maintenance. But I'll put that out to everybody listening right now. Again, where do you want your mental ability? Are you where you want to be now? Do you have all the stuff we're talking about, critical thinking skills and intuition and insight and hope and joy and whatever? These are these are brain. These these things well, come out of kindness, kindness and the ability. And yeah, the, the, well, I, I like what you said. The ability <laughs> to manifest that because when I am lacking sleep or I've OD'd on sugar or you know, Are you I've a been, little more irritable? Oh my gosh. Yeah. My <laughs> ability to extract kindness when somebody's driving slow in the left lane is, is almost impossible. Anyways, I need to be at my very best to harness kindness for that person. That's right. And to, you need to harness it to drive the way your wife wants you to drive when she's in the car yep. to do those kind which of, is a kindness to which say, is okay, a kindness I, to her. I am driving and you're going to get there slowly. <laughs> You're going to waste five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. So let me, let me ask this. Cause this is, this is the, this is one of those things that's out there of what do you say to the patient who's t- you're talking about MCI mild cognitive impairment. Let's say they're 50 years old or whatever. And they're looking at, and they say, well, my, my mom had it, my dad had, it, or my mom had it and her mom had it yep. around age, whatever. Yep. I mean, how much hereditary. So we, uh, in this case, a lot. Really? Yeah. If oh, there that's not is, the answer I was looking for. No, I know. That's why I'm going to highlight because normally we say your genetics matters less, you know. Uh, but in this case, where if you've got a first degree family relative with Alzheimer's and especially young Alzheimer's, that's a biggie. Really? That's a biggie. Why? And, uh, why well, outside? Because of- it is more genetically entrained. Really? Well, no, I said, well, son of a gun, if your parents are white Caucasians, then you're likely going to be a white Caucasian. I mean, that, that, that's just the way the genetics Well, work. but that's outside of environment of saying, you know, if True. I, if I, but here's the thing. So this is related to, let's, let's go a step deeper and say it's APO. So, um, this is the one genetic test. So if people want to know about a resource to know how at risk your brains are from a dementia standpoint, especially if you have a family history, you do want to get the genetic test for APOE. And this is where your wife can talk to you all about it. Uh, so APO, if you have that genetic marker, you are at more risk. And especially the most famous one is an APO44. So if both parents gave you this four, yeah. And so that's a description of the actual allele that got together with the other parent. If you have that, no different than if we say, hey, both parents came together and this person was born and they're very, very fair skinned. We'd look at them and it wouldn't be a stretch of the imagination to say, wow, you're at risk for sunburn and skin cancer. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty clear. Okay, same thing here. If you're a 4'4", we just look at you and say, wow, you're at more risk. Now, that doesn't mean you're predestined to have dementia. And actually, some friends of ours, uh, she was kind of miffed and tearful. Like she, when she first got that done and said, oh my gosh, I didn't want to know this. Now I feel like I'm predestined to have this, you know, this early onset dementia. But the phrase is genetics loads the gun. Uh, lifestyle pulls the trigger. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, I, so the comment to, to Jen was, no, 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 no. And I used, just because somebody's fair skin, does that mean they have to be sunburned all the time? Well, no, but you can change your lifestyle and wear long sleeves or wear a hat or, do all, or don't take up golf or something like that. So for APO44, you have to be more keenly aware of your diet, your sleep, your exercise, all okay, of these and things. Okay, and that's where I want to go. So I'm, I'm, I love that because I want people to hear that. So uh, you, uh, you said the loaded gun that... What did you say? What was it? Yeah, genetics, genetics loads loads the gun. Okay, so let's just take, take anybody. We all have a gun loaded to some degree for... All things. For just all, all things. things but, yeah. but, but, but here, for this show, for brain deficiency, lack, whatever, okay. we could say that. And so let's say you had whatever, however many... So I, I raced bikes you know, uh, for so much of my life. How many times did I crack my head, break a helmet... I don't know. It's not something stupid, but 10, 15, 20. I, I don't even know. Okay. I, I didn't pay attention. So I've got those. So maybe I've got some scars. I don't know. What, I guess I've done labs to know what my AP. Did you do? No, it's 23andMe. Did you do the 23andMe genetics? I don't no. remember no, us no, talking I about that. So I have no idea. So let's say that I've got something there. There's another. Yeah. So let's just say if you had a 3-4 or a 4-4 and you've got 15 years of one head bonk per year. Yeah, and then whatever other lifestyle I've had. So I, my gun is loaded. So here we are today with guns loaded to some degree. So we have a propensity or a harder right. thing. And my thought, I don't know why I went to this, but my thought was if I have two dogs, one with four legs, one with three legs, I'm going to walk both of them. That one with three legs is working harder. Well, tough. He's still going to I'm not going to say don't walk. He's got three legs. He can make it. So right. it's a harder effort. So to whatever level, back to whatever, how much your gun is it's, loaded. Yeah. You may have to work harder not to pull that trigger. So yeah. if you've got the, the skin, you know, it doesn't mean that the person can never go to the beach. It means you better plan ahead and have SPF 50. Well, and, we just did it. That. We spent a week outside at the you know lake almost every day. And I've got, well, gosh, my little one who's, you know, not a <laughs> biological kid. She's dark skinned. Uh, zero sunscreen zero. on her. And, and, and then my other one. So I've got what I got seven biological Caucasian kids. Well, Ian's I have, over here. Oh, slattered. exactly. The dude is, I think he's from Ireland. I mean, he is, he is so <laughs> pale skin. So <laughs> yeah, he, it, it is. He's so pale skin. I mean, it's starkly different than the rest of them. We actually have a picture of him holding our little girl oh and the gosh, contrast. <laughs> yeah, I'll show it to you. It's, it's amazing. But so it was, so he's the one with, uh, as much as we could, a hat on extra sunscreen, less time out there. And so he's our just, family's the same. Right, so Sagan's very fair, and he's the oh, yeah. one that you know no also doesn't now. have any hair. So we constantly are asking about a hat and yep. sunscreen and all of that. We were just in Wichita at the pool, yeah, and uh, same kind of thing. He has to be on the clock, scheduled. Hey, get out, dry off, you know, yeah. reapply, and all that. Reapply, let it dry way. before you. Yeah. All this. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, was... but th there's the thing: the lifestyle. So genetically, you can't change that. But you change the lifestyle. So imagine the the trigger finger. So lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. Well, imagine if, you know, genetically you have a itchy 
trigger, a hair, what do you call it? Hair. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember either. The, the trigger is really easy to pull. Or imagine some old sticky gun that you have to squeeze really hard. So your daughter, your youngest, Jadaria, you, you have to put her in the sun 20 hours a day. She's, she's just not going to burn. Yeah. So her, that is stuck. That bullet is never going to fire that she gets a sunburn. And the same is true for like, especially Indian people, Indian, Indian, like that. Uh, I mean, they can still burn like, uh, African-American black people. They can, they can burn quite, they can burn, but it's, it's just less, way, propensity. It's just less propensity. Yeah. yeah. No different. Take, take Ian and, and Jadari and he can have sugar. It doesn't bother him as much and do it to her. And she's, and, and she's going to, yeah. yeah. So yeah, propensity. Yeah, yeah. So that lo- I, I love that. So this, when we're talking about this brain training, all of this is going into the brain. Yeah. Yeah. So some people have a genetic propensity to be math or language or whatever else, and they, they learn better. They gravitate towards those things. That's not and, – and you mentioned behavior, and I would say if – this is where it gets so complex, but, you know, we, we quote that scripture, train up a child in the way they should go. So we can't insist that our kids learn calculus because I love calculus. Mm-hmm. Some of them are gifted over here with creative, and some of them are gifted over here, and we can't insist that they learn at a desk all the time, and some need to learn by doing. Some need to learn by hearing, some whatever else, and, and all of those. But that makes the job of teaching and parenting that much harder to do, and our yeah. system doesn't do it very well. And so then the one who needs to learn by doing, not only does he get not enough sleep, too many screens, too much sugar, and then you're going to stick him at a desk or her. And it just – why – that's not a behavioral necessarily thing. Now, behavior starts to come into it because as that kid then reaches his own thinking ability, he's choosing these things. But it's like what you said at the beginning. The imprinting, the patterning, the, the pathways through the brain that we create, the ruts or the paths, the helpful paths or the destructive ruts are there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's, it's a challenge. But it, I, want, I don't want to end on the hard part. I want to end on the encouragement. You can get out of any rut. You can reestablish any new path. You can teach old dogs new tricks. You are not set in your ways. There's no such thing as, oh, I lost all my new brain cells when I drank too much in college. That's a fallacy. You can grow, and no matter how much TBI there's been, that's what we're seeing with the troops coming back. There is healing to be had. And yes, it comes through exercise and sleep and relationships and novelty and learning something new and coaching and training and hope. All yeah. of those things are what feeds the brain. Well, and back to you, can't, none of us can be perfect, but we can all be well, well-er, well-erine. And yeah, to that person who had, whose you know, mom and grandmother and whatever all started getting dementia at 55, uh, maybe... Maybe you are going to get it, but can you stave it off till 65, till 70? Absolutely. Can, it, the, you know, you don't know because that's the future, but can you have hope to do that? There's definitely things we can do to help the issue Absolutely. as opposed to Without hurt a it. Doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And we talked about resources. So uh, his name is Norman Doidge, yeah. D-O-I-D-G-E. Uh, his books, and he's got some TED Talks, uh, The Brain's Way of Healing. And uh, his other book is The Brain That Heals Itself. Uh, they're, they're great reading. Uh, most lay people will enjoy just reading about it. And especially if you're concerned about your own brain, if you have symptoms, if there's been TBI. And, and you know, the brain, talking about MS, ALS, depression, anxiety, fatigue, brain fog. Yeah. You know. And, and I think we're going to have um, Dr. 
Dale Bredesen on the show, um, and we'll be talking about Alzheimer's. His book is uh, uh, The Alzheimer's. End of Alzheimer's. Yeah, and now yeah. he's got a program. We'll be talking about that as well. So, all right, good stuff. It's Let's go grow our brains. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. You can literally grow your brain's capacity and ability by learning, experiencing new things. Doesn't mean you have to go do things you don't like or enjoy or care about. Expand yourself in an area you love. Hey, tomorrow morning, I'm headed to a new 30-mile-long mountain bike trail. Okay, not huge brain growth potential, but it's a step up above the trails that I know like the back of my hand and can ride mindlessly. Friends, I truly hope we have you thinking very differently about your brain and cognitive ability. It's something that you can change and you can alter and you can grow. You're not just to succumb to the whims of age and time and accept the decline that our culture is so readily doing. There's so much more hope. Thank you for choosing to tune into the Self-Helpful Podcast. We would be so grateful if you would leave a review be most grateful if you would just share this great information, this great knowledge, this hope with someone else. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.